0: Welcome to Dental Dilemmas, brought to you by the ADA Council on Ethics, Bylaws, and Judicial Affairs, and I am your host, Alex Million. For this episode, we have a different format in store. In previous recordings, we have reviewed Ethical Moment articles. Today, we are going to have a discussion about mental health and how that if you aren't well mentally, it becomes a challenge to practice as an ethical dentist. We will touch on the principles of beneficence. In order to do good, you need to take care of yourself and be well. We'll also discuss veracity in telling the truth in a challenging clinical situation. Dr. Jared Johnson is with us today to discuss this challenging topic, and I'm excited for him to share his story. Dr. Johnson, thank you so much for being with us here today. Uh, This is a topic that I've been looking forward to discussing for a while since we started the podcast, and I think it's so pertinent and uh, timely to discuss it. So I appreciate you being here. Uh, before we get into the details, if you could tell me a little bit about uh, where you practice and tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, thanks, Dr. Alex. Uh, my name is Jared Johnson. I'm a pediatric dentist. I practice in Muscatine, Iowa. It's just on on the Mississippi River, a little bit south of the Quad Cities. And I opened my office right out of residency. Uh, I've been going seven years now, and uh, we're in a rural town, and it's it's been a Challenging but rewarding process to go through, and we're gonna probably talk a little bit about some of the challenges that I didn't anticipate here
0: recently with with COVID and everything. But uh, thanks for having me on. Before we jump into the scenario, like I said, why did you select dentistry as a career path and specifically specializing in pediatrics?
1: Yeah, um, I both my parents are dentists and my uncle, and it's it was kind of on the back of my mind. But in high school, I always enjoyed the science. And I always made a point to take an art class. I really enjoyed doing art and also the science. And it was just a a nice release to kind of incorporate both the two and ended up progressing uh, through college and decided that that was something I wanted to pursue. And uh, after when I was in my senior year at, at Iowa for undergraduate, I did uh, coaching at the high, junior high that I went to for football and basketball, and just found that I could work with that age group, and it was fun to be around them. And once I was in dental school and realized I could do some of the things with with the younger kids, uh, that's when I chose that I wanted to uh, attempt to become a pediatric dentist, and, and here I am.
0: Thanks for sharing that background. Uh, pediatrics has a, a special place in our profession, and the amount of patients that you display on a daily basis ad- admirable. Um, my wife's a pediatric dentist and, and what you guys do day in, day out is is awesome. So thank you so much for all that you do. I, I know you host a podcast as well, and I hope you're going to enjoy being on the other side today. We serve on the ADA New Dentist Committee together, and this topic of wellness has been a big focus the last few years, especially coming out of COVID. Over 92% of dentists responded that COVID had challenged their mental health and new dentists reported a higher incidence of anxiety and depression. And while this is an ethics podcast, we're trying a different format today, and that we're talking about a dental dilemma that is a challenge to many dentists. The scenario we're going to focus focus on today is a dentist is experiencing anxiety and depression, and they realize you, you need help. Uh, what do you do?
1: Well, I think starting to realize that you're not alone in this, and you're, you're not the only one, if you are experiencing anxiety or or depression, or you know, any of anything outside of the normal. It's it's you're not alone. I think the ADA research showed. I think it was one in three Americans. So if if you're sitting in a room and you look to your left and to your right, one of the three people in you through this pandemic have been impacted in a way. So you're not alone. It's just not something that people talk about. And I think raising awareness about it is is key to ending in the stigma because it's so easy to get help, especially I think one of the good things about COVID is, is it accelerated telemedicine and teledentistry. And you can get on your phone right now if you want and talk to a therapist and talk to a psychiatrist uh, just within minutes. And help is there. And that's one of the good things that's come out of it to help raise awareness for, for this condition.
0: So you mentioned that you noticed your anxiety and depression creeping back up during the start of COVID, um, and kind of throughout the process, what signs did you notice that made you realize that you needed to seek some additional help?
1: I think number one, the first thing I noticed was I didn't, I have two kids and I didn't really enjoy doing things. I wasn't present with them. I think that was kind of the first sign. And the second sign was I was with the patient and, I just was anxious and my hands were shaking a little bit. And she had, she just said, oh, why are you shaking? And that was just a sign that was like, whoa, I can't be doing dentistry if, you know, I'm moving that much in this precise environment. We got to be uh, able to do our work and do a good job for these kids. So it can be different for any, everyone. I mean, it could be loss of appetite. It could be like I had not enjoying things I used to do, uh, sleep issues. It, there are so many different things that can Im- impact people in different ways. And I would just encourage you if you're not feeling normal or right to maybe seek advice of, you know, a a therapist or a counselor and and just go through the screening and see where you're at.
0: Great. And what were some of the um, you pretty much talked about some of the triggers that you identified, but what have you done personally to um, kind of manage and get back to practicing at the level and and kind of being a, a better version of yourself?
1: Yeah, number one was contacting my doctor first. Uh, after that, I got on some medication, which really has helped a lot. And then st- starting to see a therapist. When I talked to, brought this up to a few of my uh, colleagues that I talked to, they all have therapists that they talk to. And it's like, what? I didn't know you saw a therapist because of the stigma. They, um, they all talk to someone to get through these issues, whether it's just a situation you have at home or a situation you have with uh, a patient. I was talking to my therapist this last week and I just said how awful some of the parents have been and how, and he said, give me an example. So I gave him an example of this one dad that came in and he was just screaming. And it's like, he said, well, have you ever thought that maybe he has a mental health issue? Who walks into a dental office and acts like that? You don't. So it kind of changed the way I I think about things too. When you, when you can get someone to talk to and that is confidential and I can bounce things back to you. And once I realized that, I was like, wow, you're right. He probably does. And, you know, he's <laughs> probably does need some help too, but that helps kind of look at things in a different perspective rather than like someone's coming at you personally. It's, there's an issue that's underlying there that's causing them to do that. It's not
0: anything that you did. Oh, oh great. Um, and yeah, that's those scenarios. I know parents, especially if you're seeing a lot of kids in your, in your office that, it's been a challenging time coming out of COVID, and hopefully it's gotten a little bit better as of late, but um, there's been some high tempers at times, and I've, I've seen that as well. Um, with those resources, and you touched a little bit on access from your phone, but if somebody was looking that they know they needed to seek help, and what what route would you recommend? And again, like you had said, everybody's different, but how um, what resources, I know this is something that you're passionate about, what resources do you, would you recommend or do you know that are available that um, you'd recommend that somebody go that route?
1: Well, I mean, uh, first, I think they just I don't know what the number is off the top of my head. I think if you're in like a situation where you're um, needing help immediately, there's a I, I forget the number. I don't know what it is. Maybe we yeah. can include I, that. Yeah, I'll, we, I'll put a
0: show notes. I'll find it. I know what you're talking about.
1: Um, that NAMI and. Uh, national Emergency Line, uh, obviously, if you're in that situation, that's probably the best route to go. But for me, one of the things that I think is a barrier for dentists to getting help is you don't want to go to your a group in your community and then everyone sees the dentist showing up and, oh, my dentist is at this support group. Like, that's why I've been trying to advocate for just a support group nationally for dentists, which I hope we can um, deliver here at some point. But... For me, I wanted to do something virtually, someone that wasn't in my community so I wouldn't be seen. I, I know that it, there's that stigma behind it and that's why I went the route of online and it's it's convenient for me. Uh, I know as dentists we're all busy, I can do it. They have appointments that are available in the evening, uh, over the lunch hour if I need something. So it's just been convenient for me to do. Uh, I use Doctor On Demand for uh, my appointments. I know there are other resources out there that are online that are licensed medical providers. Uh, whatever you feel comfortable with, if you feel comfortable with going to someone in your community, that's great. Uh, but for me, just the convenience of being a parent, a practice owner, and a, a dentist at the same time, just the, tele, the telemedicine has just worked out for me. And, and I'm comfortable with it. Um, I can do it from my own home. I can go to my car and be in privacy and, and not have anyone around to hear me.
0: No, I know you touched on that stigma, and and I think things are definitely um, different than they were a generation ago or even maybe a decade ago. Um, But do you have concerns with, I guess, other practitioners or other dentists um, as you've been speaking up about it or people that practice in your community that may know um, as as well? I don't think so. I mean, I'm not, I've gotten help if I didn't get help and
1: I was... I'd probably be in a worse place than I am now, but I i, I don't. Actually, once this article came out that you highlighted earlier, I had f- five dentists I didn't even know contact me and say they were in the same situation. Then I had three of my classmates that were in dental school with me uh, contact me and say they were in the same situation. So it's amazing that we are all out there, and I think highlighting this and coming together is the best thing we can do to support each other. So I, I don't have concerns. I have concerns if you, you know, continue to go down a path and don't get help and there, there's an, a negative outcome or, you know, something's not done correctly in your practice that will impact you even more the more so than uh, getting, getting out there and getting help.
0: Yeah. And I admire so much of what you've done speaking out about it. And I think I, like you had said, I think sometimes you the complete opposite reaction of what you may be fearful for and, um, being that lifeline for classmates and friends is, I think, huge. And I think that's it's so great what you've done. Um, one thing that sometimes that we hear about that dentists don't want to seek um, help for, for mental health issues and that they're afraid that it may affect their disability insurance. I know that's one thing that we always, I remember hearing about it in school, but what what are your thoughts on that? I know we've spoken before this a little bit about that, but what do you know about that and um, anything along those lines?
1: Yeah, well, first and foremost, get your disability insurance as, as soon as you can and lock that in. That's number one. The first thing you should do, because you never know if this could happen to you or there could be a trigger or a life event that happens with, you know, unforeseen circumstances that we, we can't all control. Uh, get that locked in first and foremost when you're young and healthy and uh Make sure you have the riders to uh, increase that as you become more profitable in your career. But to to answer the question about if you're worried about that, what's the worst that could happen if you get help? Like to me, like that is a total barrier to your own health. I remember we had that uh, ADA success series accelerator series with ben nempton and he really was what kind of triggered me to make a lot of changes in my life and you know start doing some more wellness things but if you haven't watched that you can go watch it for free right now i think you get a ce for it through the ada uh, accelerator series online but he gives the example if you can't take care of yourself how can you take care of other people and his example is what happens when You're on the airplane and oxygen runs out. Put they say put your mask on before putting on the mask of someone else. Because if you don't have the oxygen to breathe, you aren't going to be able to help the other person. So that's kind of what I how I look at. You gotta be healthy yourself. You gotta feel good. You have to do everything you can to take care of yourself so you can be present, take care of others. And I know that there are, you know, counselors that you're going through your process of checking medical records, they'll go and write letters for you to state where you you, are with your mental health currently and what's happened. So I know that some people will do that and that's available, but I would not be worried about that. And I think the best thing, the best advice is just to lock that in early so you don't have to worry
0: about it. No, I think that's great advice. Um, like you said, and keep going back to that. And I think that's really what I I want to hit home with this episode that you've got to take care of yourself. And if you're not in a state to take care of yourself, you you can't take take care of an office or, um, patients as well. So I think that you're, you couldn't be more right in that. Um, and then you talked a little bit about like a support group and community and, um, you kind of have aspirations to. Um, have a national organization for a support group for dentists. What what do you think that would be like? And how, how would you see that functioning? Or Because I think that would be something that would be awesome. I think it's something that, as you've said, the more that you've spoken up, the more you realize how large of a need it is. And sometimes I think dentists don't know where to go. Um, so what would how would you see that working?
1: Yeah, I, I know NAMI does it out of Chicago. They've got a support group for actually for people that are Um, going through anxiety and depression, and also their spouses, which I think would be great through the ADA Alliance if that could happen. But I would see it as a confidential group where uh, my time zone, there's just a a session where you can get on and have a group leader and and talk about the things that that we're going through in our practices and our lives and um, just something that we can all come together and get that same support you would, but not have to be in a group where you might have your patient sitting next to you in the group.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that would be great. I think that, that's pro- definitely something we need to get done um, because I, I think there's such a need. I think social media and Facebook has filled that for some people, but there's a whole other aspect to it. Like you said, if it can be confidential and you're sitting with peers and it's led, I, th- I think that would be great. Um, and then as this is an ethics podcast, um, what does being an ethical dentist mean to you? Um, And I don't know how familiar you are with the ADA code of ethics, but how do you apply it daily? Or what, what do you think of when that comes to mind?
1: I think just doing the right thing and you're never going to be wrong when you do the right thing. I mean, we all do make mistakes and, you know, if you make a mistake, a lot of people are more willing to accept it. I had one, uh, just one recently, I put a crown on the wrong tooth in the OR and the patient came back for the post up, and you know, there, there was a cavity on one of the teeth and I, you know, I had, uh, I was backwards on the other side and I, I apologized and I took care of it, but she was so accepting of it. And just admitting that that happened is okay. And people are more than accepting to do that because, you know, you're being honest and you're not trying to hide anything. So just doing the right thing, at, um, at the, you know, all the time it is there's nothing wrong with it and you're just going to feel more comfortable at the end of the day going home and not worrying about
0: trying to hide something from someone yeah i think that that is the the true point that always brings home and that you just just bring it up and discuss the issue and i think patients just respect you so much for more for that rather than trying to hide something um and i know you also teach at the university of iowa correct a little bit so what advice do you give to students that are getting ready to graduate, or um, also what, as we're talking about that, what has inspired you to teach and, and give back? Yeah, I love, it. We I teach at
1: the university, I have um, a few dates coming up, I like go one one day a month, and then we have a student that comes down to my office, fourth uh, year dental student comes down to my office, and that's been really enjoyable to see the students and, and their progression uh, through their career. But I, I think um, going back to the advice for the students is just to get as much experience as you can while you're a student, because once you walk out of that office, you don't have anyone there to stand over you and hold your hand or back you up when something doesn't go right. And it's nice to take on everything you can. I mean, I remember in residency, nobody wanted to take the emergency cases that came in and I was always the one that jumped up and, you know, they're in pain. They're the most difficult patients they haven't been in in a while. And you learn so much by doing stuff that is challenging that when you go out to your own practice, you're going to be ready to hit the ground running and not have any concerns about taking on challenging mm-hmm. case. I don't really, I don't stress about the dentistry anymore. The dentistry is not the hard part of my my job. Uh, I'm confident in, in what we do. It's, you know, the the other aspects that are more challenging that I'm still working on learning and and that's exciting to be confident in your skills and and just enjoy uh, everything that you can do for taking a, a kid from a situation. For me, it, my best is when we have that kid that won't even sit in your chair when they're five and crying and they have a bunch of cavities and then we take them from that to they're seven or eight and you're doing a filling on the kid and they just do awesome and You look at the parent and he said, I remember you when you were five or six and how far you've come. And the kid doesn't even remember it, but the parent Mm -hmm. does. And they just smile like that's the best feeling in uh, in the world to be able to make that change in these kids. And I think having the skill set to do that is just it comes from experience and taking on challenging things and building the skill set that you need
0: to have a successful career. No, that foundation, I think is, is so key. And like you had said, sometimes jumping in, doing the hard things and at an early part in your career takes the stress off later. And, um, I know the cliche that you get told in dental school or somebody that's been out a while is that like you, just like you had said that, uh, the dentistry gets to be the easy part and I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's all the extra things and it's the staff and the parents and, um, the extras that, that are what you think about and what, what caused you to grow once you get past those first few years in your career. So great. Thank you for sharing that. Um. And then do you have any final thoughts or anything else that you'd like to share about this topic? Cause again, like I've said, I, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about it. And I think there's, this is such a, a unique discussion and I think there's, there's a lot of different um, ethical parts in it, but I think it really comes back to, like you had said, that you've got to be well yourself to take care of um, patients and your team members and um, any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to share?
1: Well, I just think it's been, you know, it's, it's not been an easy time recently. And I don't think, I don't foresee uh, right now with, with the way things are in the world, this getting to be any easier for a few more years for anyone, I think there's just a a lot of things this pandemic has caused that have stayed with us. And now we have inflation and we have other problems that are impacting families and the way people seek out dental care and the way staffing is a thought there's just so many things that are ongoing that are going to be going on for a while that we have to live with that if you're in a place where you know you're not well then it it's so much better to reach out to someone to get better because I've been there I was I mean I remember sitting in my back office at the end of the day bawling in tears Mm -hmm. because I wasn't well and I now like complete 180 and it's because I got help. And I, you know, I, if I didn't get help, I, I, I can't imagine where I would be and where the spiral would have, would have taken me. But, uh, I just think that there's so many resources out there. There's so many ways to do it. You just got to find a way that works for you. And honestly, it, I'm the healthiest I've been, um, with everything that's gone on. Once I started getting help, I started exercising, you know, I lost 30 pounds, I started eating better. It's just so many changes that spiraled the other way that have been so positive. I was taking a blood pressure medication, I went in uh, a week ago, and my blood pressure, I haven't taken the medication in a while. And now I'm down to the best blood pressure I've had in my life. And it's, it's really been good for me, for me, uh, from a mental health aspect, but also being able to you just live a healthier life, a happier life, uh, enjoy my kids. Like I can't tell you my daughter she caught her first fish <laughs> last week, and I can't tell you how exciting and exhilarating that made me feel. And i, I I'm almost in tears now talking about it, but uh, that just that joy from those little things, it's just life's about the experiences and i have been able to experience my kids experience trips vacations and, and things and just enjoy it more and i think if you are in any situation like i was and you get help you're going to feel that change it may take some time but you're going to feel that change down the road and just live a a happier and and healthier life because there's no nothing wrong with with getting help and feeling awesome like that's what i want for you if you if you're in the situation i was i want you to feel like i do today
0: no, and thank you for sharing your experience. This has just been wonderful. And I think just really highlights the importance of wellness. And this is definitely a, a scenario or that needs to be talked about and needs to be brought more out in the open. And I know you're going to be at SmileCon in Houston here in, um, in October. Um, and I believe, I think the slot that I had seen was that you're going to be talking in person as part of a panel on um, October 13th, and it's titled coming out of the dark, uh, dealing with depression as part of the Real Talk series. So. I appreciate you coming on to talk about this, and uh, And I think in September, I think in
1: September we have another um, uh, new Denstown Hall uh, with Dr. Arnell Wright and Nami, and I I I don't know if Dr. Nissen's going to be there too, but uh, I think that would be another great event if you're you know needing to maybe hear a little bit more about it. You're not sure where you're at. Uh, By all means, if you need help, uh, don't wait till then. But that might be another way to to just connect on your journey with us. And uh, I think we're probably gonna have a pretty big crowd, but um,
0: that uh, also is another uh, available resource. Oh, perfect. Thanks for bringing that up as well. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. And I really appreciate you, like I keep saying again, but just discussing this and, and bringing it to light. So we'll see you soon. And um, I'll put a bunch of these uh, notes that are different topics we talked about in the show notes. So thanks again and look forward to seeing you soon. Sounds great. I
1: hope everyone has a, a wonderful SmileCon here coming up. We look forward to seeing you there. Yep.
0: Yeah. Thank you. A final note about the episode. Please see the show notes for many of the topics in the following links that were discussed in today's show. And remember to keep an eye out for future releases. Remember to keep ethics at the forefront of your daily practice and stay tuned to Sieve Decode's Dental Dilemmas. <laughs>